Hey, Juvies listeners, David here. It's good to be back. Before we get to this week's episode about X-Men First Class, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that this podcast has spoilers, so if you haven't seen this movie yet, you have to. It's awesome. Go rent it on Amazon or something. It's so much fun. Then come listen to our podcast. As always, if you have thoughts about this episode or Juvie or a previous episode or Juvie or just need someone to write to, go ahead and email us at juvies at gmail.com. That's juvies, J-E-W-V-I-E-S at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or join our growing Facebook group, The Juvie's Congregation, where you can talk with like two other people about the portrayal of Jewish people and Judaism in the movies. A lot of great stuff there, including an incredible Venn diagram of the Juvie's podcasters. Go check it out. We are at Juvies on any of those platforms. And if you like our show, rate us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. And who knows, maybe we'll become so popular that one of our rabbis will hear this and start yelling at us. Finally, and most importantly, I don't know what movie we're going to do next week. We still haven't decided, but we'll post it up on Friday on our social media. So just another reason to follow us there. Until then, it's time to talk about X-Men First Class. Eric, you said yourself, we're the better men. This is the time to prove it. There are thousands of men on those ships, good, honest, innocent men. They're just following orders. I've been at the mercy of men just following orders. Never again. Hello and welcome to The Juvies, a podcast about the portrayal of Jewish people and Judaism in the movies. I'm David Friedman. I'm David Wingrow. And I'm Yako Friedman. And this week on The Juvies, we're discussing the 2011 comic book origin story, X-Men First Class, directed by Matthew Vaughn and starring James McAvoy as Charles Xavier, Michael Fassbender as Eric Lencher, Magneto, Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw, and Edie Gathigi as Darwin. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Darwin. <laughs> oh, Darwin. Uh, we will get to that. But I, Yakov, yeah, yeah, we'll start with you. Why did you select this movie for this week? Well, Please my explain. kids have been uh, asking to see comic book movies because of um, the Avengers Infinity War. So naturally, we showed them the only Marvel movies worth watching, which were... The X-Men movies, because they really are far and away better than the more popular Iron Man and Captain America and Guardians of the Galaxy type. And, keep you know, going, keep Marvel going, because there's like okay, 50 but... of them. <laughs> only... Just keep naming them. Da- David, tell me, you, you went to a movie today. I saw it. What, what were your options today? My, my options today were Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2, um, Ant-Man vs. Ant-Wasp <laughs> person. <laughs> It was every single. It was just everything on the list to possibly see were all Marvel movies. I, I can't remember if this movie predates the Avengers movies at all or not, but I do feel like this was one of the. This was the start of the complete and utter takeover of of comic book movies. Now there are well, been comic you book have movies. to remember that there, there are were... two types of Marvel movies. The X Men movies are completely separate from the what we call Marvel movies because they're owned by different studios that have never been able to get along. Now, that's about to change because the studio that owns the X-Men, Fox, was just bought by Disney. Oh, but... Lord. So that, are we going to have another <laughs> mashup? Is X, are the X-Men? Because Deadpool Does is... Does it make money? Because Wait, if Deadpool it makes money, X-Men. it's happening. Deadpool is X-Men. That's connected. Yeah, Deadpool is X-Men. 
Right, but the right, but the rest of it. Yes. The, At some point, oh all the Avengers God. and all the X Men <laughs> and all of the Jedi's are going to come together for an Uber Disney battle movie. against every bad guy who was in the previous movies and somehow became alive again. That's gonna they're going to battle the frozen corpse of Walt Disney himself. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say about this superhero movie is that I do remember it pretty well, and I was happy to see it again. But, Yak, tell us why you thought this would be a good movie for our Juvie podcast, which is ostensibly about the portrayal of Jewish people and Judaism in the movies. I think the answer is obvious, but maybe if you haven't seen the movie in a while, remind us. Well, this movie stars a character named Magneto, and Magneto is a very prominent Jewish character in comic books, but more prominently in these movies, where his Jewish identity is super front and center, not just in this movie, but way back to the beginning of the X-Men franchise, when he was, it was in the very early scenes, he was um, shown to be a Holocaust survivor. And it's really interesting how they portray this, and I think it's a better comment on post-war Jews than Inglorious Bastards. Even though it's a comic book movie, it does a lot right. And in addition to that, it's just a great, great movie. So this movie when, is fr- this movie is freaking amazing. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. And but, it's almost ten years old at this or it's not not quite ten years old. It's two thousand eleven, but But it was so well made. Oh, I just I love every character. I love how they did the characters, like the even the CGI effects look good. Everything looked good. The story is so good. I know the story's amazing. Um but like what Yaakov said in terms of I, I mean I was comparing this kind of to Inglorious Bastards because there's some similar revenge, Jewish revenge stuff going on here. So there, there is a lot to talk about on the Jewish revenge, and especially Magneto. But just before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about Jewish soup, your, your favorite superhero and why. Yoni, you go first. Okay, so after watching Ant Wasman today, I would not pick either, <laughs> even though the movie was okay. Um, my favorite, ooh. Although Paul, Rudd's, Paul Rudd's quite Jewish, though yeah. I don't know if he is in, in Ant-Man. Ooh, what is my favorite one? You may have to come back to me on this one. Yak, I think you have an obvious favorite. Well, I've always loved Batman and Spider-Man. Those were always the two pillars for me. We established on a different podcast that Peter Parker is not Jewish, right? No, I think maybe not technically Jewish, but I think virtually all Golden and Silver Age superheroes are based on these Jewish archetypes. You know, they were all, they were virtually all, except for Wonder Woman, who's now, of course, the most Jewish superhero of all. But virtually all Jewish super, virtually all superheroes were created or co-created by Jews in the first 40 years of comic books. I mean, it was a heavily Jewish industry. You, you've read a lot more comic books than me. Does that play out in the comics? You feel like you're, you're reading, maybe not, uh, actually jewish characters but characters with jewish themes or yeah i mean i I i think it's kind of clear i mean the superheroes are always outsiders in a culture that doesn't understand them and they crave this normalcy and they have these assimilationist tendencies that they're never able to really get they they're never able to really integrate into society no matter how much they want to and I think the most important key is that they're almost always orphans. 
you know, and this is reflecting a very Jewish post-war refugee experience. And even the people who grow up with family are growing up with family that isn't really theirs. Like Peter Parker is raised by his aunt and uncle in the 60s. You know, in the 60s, the kids that were being raised by their aunt and uncle were Jewish, you know, escapees from Nazi Germany. Weren't weren't many of the comic books uh, also like, did Superman ever battle Nazis? I feel like there were old, old comics that they actually battled Nazis. Oh, sure. I mean, the really older superheroes from the Golden Age were um, Superman and Batman and Captain America. Captain, Captain America, America very, for sure did. very famously punched... Um, punched Hitler on a comic book cover drawn by Jack Kirby, and that became a huge rallying cry. Well, we all know Captain America's Jewish, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's from Brooklyn. But here's, um, the thing. We... here's the thing. All of these comic book characters were on the surface very not Jewish. None of them had Jewish names. None of them specifically looked Jewish, except for maybe Peter Parker. But their experience was very specific to a person and a place, and they were coming from the minds of these Jewish writers. And I don't think it's a coincidence. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I kind of feel the same way when I read comics as well. And I, you know, I think a lot of Jewish people identify with comic books. And obviously, many of the co-creators, Stan Lee, they're all Jewish. Um, but the, I don't know why I said co-creators, the major creators of things like Marvel and DC, right? Is DC also created by Jews? Uh, yeah, I mean, Siegel and Schuster, who made Superman, were Jewish. And Bob Kane, his name was really Robert Kahn. You know, the the only real exception, as I mentioned, was Wonder Woman, who was not created by Jews. And um, he, it's kind of clear that Wonder Woman but was the exception to just about every rule in comics, and that's what made her so interesting. And now she's the most Jewish superhero possible because she's played by Gal Gadot. I feel like we could definitely do a Juvie on Wonder Woman, even though she's Amazonian, just because the whole island is Israelis. Really Jewish, Israelis. <laughs> is women doing Israeli accents. Um, I'll but tell I, you... I, what my point was is that while it comes out in the comic books, I don't always feel like it comes out in the actual movies, the, this new age of movies. So that's where... That's where this movie was a nice change in pace. I had, I had read an article, and I mentioned this in a different podcast, but we ended up cutting it out, about somebody writing about how what the world needs now post-Black um, post Panther is a good Jewish superhero. And I, I do feel like that's a kind of a feeling, is that a lot of these movies miss that. And I must have... I didn't quite remember it, but seeing this movie again, I was like, well, we got one. He's just the bad guy. <laughs> But he's not really the bad guy. That's the genius of this movie. That's the genius of the character in general. Is Magneto, what makes him so great, we can talk about it, is is that, you know... I mean, his origin story really makes him not a bad guy. Right. Is he really that really that bad? Okay, well... But it, you asked me a question. What was yeah, my favorite... Yeah, uh, what was your... Ca- What's your favorite guy? I, I think I'm back? gonna stick. I, yeah, I think I'm gonna stick with uh, X Men here, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wolverine here. Wolverine's great. Wolverine is great. Wolverine, by the way, not created by a Jew. He is a good exception, a later day superhero. Is Hell is is Hellboy considered a comic? Hellboy, Hellboy. Hellboy's really good. Yeah, Hellboy's. Uh, that a was comic, my other sure. choice. I didn't read the comic, but the movies are great. I love the movies, and now they're redoing them. Actually, like they're. 
Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But Guillermo del Toro's version is so good. The second Hellboy is a really, really great movie. It is. I love that movie. All right. Let's, uh, let's do the summary. So X-Men First Class takes place in the early 1960s, and Eric Lancher, a Holocaust survivor and a mutant with the ability to control metals, is on the hunt for a Nazi doctor named Sebastian Schmidt, who during the Holocaust was in charge of a concentration camp and killed Eric's mom right in front of him just to see how Eric's superpowers work. Schmidt, who is not a nice man, uh, escaped from Germany and changed his name to Sebastian Shaw and now lives in the U.S. where with the help of some other mutants, is working on a diabolical plot to get the U.S. and Russia to nuke each other because mutants are born from nuclear war, and if all the nukes go off, there will be more mutants and less humans. I, I don't know. It's not really that important. Anyway, there's a couple other good mutants. One is named Charles Xavier and his friend Raven, and they eventually hook up with Eric to stop Shaw, and they realize they need a team. So they go on this recruiting mission, and they get a bunch of other mutants, and they have this team, they're feeling good, but then uh, Shaw and his bad guys show up, and they kill one of the team members, young Darwin, the only black guy in the whole movie. Shaw starts the Cuban Missile Crisis, but he's stopped by the X-Men. Charles manages to freeze Shaw with his telepathy skills, and then Eric kills Shaw out of revenge for his mom. Uh, anyway, the X-Men split up, and some go with Charles, and some go with Eric, and then Eric decides to put on a costume and call himself Magneto. And that's it. Class dismissed. Let's, let's, let's get into it. So, our first and only real Jewish character in this movie, although there may be another, <laughs> is Eric Lancher Magneto, played by Michael Fassbender. And listen, this movie starts with Magneto. And this movie is very much about Magneto. It starts with Magneto. It starts in a concentration camp with Jews being separated from their parents. Magneto's wearing a yellow star. And we see that his origin story is that he is a Holocaust survivor who is literally thrown in front of this psychotic doctor, Nazi doctor who shoots his mother in front of him to harness Magneto's powers. And what are your feelings about using the Holocaust as an origin story for a superhero character? So it's worth pointing out that this came from comics. This came from the comic books where Magneto's also a Holocaust survivor. But what's really interesting is that that background was not created by Jewish writers. You know, that Magneto being a Holocaust survivor was introduced by a very, very important X-Men writer named Chris Claremont, and it was in the 1980s. It was in the early 80s when they pulled this off. So it wasn't really part of Magneto's original origin story. And it was something that was introduced later on. It wasn't that much later. It was 15 years into the comic's existence. But um, it wasn't really something that was coded so early. But it made a lot of sense. Okay, um, so my, my feeling about it was that um, I don't know how appropriate it is, the same way we talked about in Glorious Bastards, um, I, but I liked, I liked the story. I liked his story. Um, I, I liked how, um, you know, how he, what he became because of it. I think it makes sense 
And I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. I know we tried we tried to avoid Holocaust movies, but so far we've done two. <laughs> um, uh, but it was very interesting. I think that the you know the doctor, the evil doctor, is something that was something that was real. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a kind of a Mangala, play on Joseph Mangala, right? And so I mean you felt something you felt something for this kid, and he was separated from his mother. I have a problem with the way the mother looked. I, I don't know if you guys had a problem with the way the mother looked. They picked and uh, they made her look so ugly. I, mean, I had a problem but, with that. But it makes sense if she's if she's in Europe and she's being starved up until yeah, that point. Yeah, I know. But just look at her again. I remember the first time I watched it, I felt that way, and now I feel I still feel the same. They they make her super ugly, super big nose. It's like they yeah. Watch well, it again. Th- there's a couple of things. I, th- I mean, first of all, I thought it was totally fine. I did not have the same reservations about this that I had with, with Inglorious Bastards. And maybe that's because you're right. Like you could his his character makes sense. He's a Holocaust survivor and he wants revenge, which is a real thing. There were Nazi hunters post Holocaust, and he doesn't forget it. And they also bring it out later on. You know what his family meant to him how what the true source of his power and they didn't they also didn't just use it once i think that was the biggest thing for me is that they didn't just like start with him as kind of like this kind of a cheap story that he was a holocaust survivor and then never bring up his judaism again or the holocaust way it shapes him again it they bring it up constantly throughout the movie it's his whole world view well they were saying i think if you do that i'm okay with them taking the liberties of using the you know an atrocity as a backdrop for his character. I think that that's fine also, but when they use the term never again here, I didn't like that. I liked everything else. I love the Nazi hunting. I loved what he did to them. Every single bit made me Two feel... Two on the nose. Two on the nose. Everything made me feel really good. I love when people kill Nazis because it's very close to home for me. And like just the way how he was... He had no mercy on them. I love that. But, like, when he uses the term never again for that they will kill all of mutants, <laughs> maybe don't use those those words. I don't know. I thought, I thought this was, was totally appropriate because it was kind of saying the same thing that Inglorious Bastards did. You know, Inglorious Bastards was talking about how Jews became super tough in response to the Holocaust. And that's something that happened in real life. You know, as David said... There were Nazi hunters. There were people like Simon Wiesenthal, but there were also people like Mayor Kahana, and there was the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, and then there was the creation of the State of Israel and the IDF. This was a real thing that happened on a national level where Jews became a lot tougher, and this movie gives a really good insight into why that happened. I mean, it isn't really true when it comes to the X-Men because the X-Men started off as a parable about civil rights, you know, with Professor X being the Martin Luther King and Magneto being Malcolm X. But it works on a Jewish level, too. And this movie nails it so well. And it's because this is Magneto's movie. You know, it, it wasn't just a through line in a character. It was a through line in the entire thing not just the first scene is about magneto the last scene is about magneto and his positions come off as totally reasonable and totally relatable and it's just such a different spin you know in the first 
two X-Men movies where Magneto is played by the older Magneto, the Ian McKellen Magneto, he's much more clearly the villain. You know, he gets to state his philosophy, but he's also shown to be cowardly and he's callous. And sometimes he's just sort of like an outright jerk for no reason. But not in this movie. In this movie, Magneto isn't really a hero, but he's definitely the protagonist. And that's why... But he felt like a hero for the first... He really felt like a hero for the first, what, four hour of this movie. I mean, he felt... I, I, if there was a movie of just him hunting Nazis... Well, I mean, that'd be freaking, kind of like its own Logan. Yeah, it'd be freaking amazing. You see, I think he came off sort of as a sadist, though. You know, somebody who was hurting so much that he was a little unhinged, but it was true to the character and it was appropriate. Right, but his unhingedness, whatever, you know, like just the way. I, I mean, I like when they're gruesome because they were gruesome to, to him. Right. So for him to take the knife out of the guy's hand, throw it at the other guy, get it right back and stick it right into his hand. Come on. It's amazing. Well, I mean, this is a Nazi hunting movie, right? The whole plot is Magneto hunting a Nazi. Right. It's, it's him I hunting it Sebastian Shaw, Shaw yeah. is the whole movie. And eventually getting there and being able to move on once he did that to his his new status, which is you know, mutant superiority. Now there's a problem. There's a problem there in that Nazism was founded on, you know, Aryan eugenics and superiority and super pseudoscience and things like that. And Magneto's character kind of takes the turn of, of, you know, mutants are superior, but not really in this movie. In this movie, his goal is his viewpoint at least comes out as, mutants must band together because they will never be accepted by mainstream society. And that, that to me feels like a pretty close parallel to kind of the Jewish worldview post Holocaust. Um, and certainly, you know, when Yaakov, when you talked about inglorious bastards as a parable to the IDF, I, you know, the bastards, I, I wasn't there. I didn't think it was really, that close to the Israeli, but that's not forces. me. That's what Quentin Tarantino said. Yeah, he that Quentin Tarantino was the one that said, you know, he did he did Inglorious Bastards as a tribute to the Jews after the Holocaust, who decided that they would never let themselves be victimized again, and they became the biggest badasses in the world. And he was so amazed by that, right? Right, but I didn't, I, I didn't feel that in that movie because it never really was truly explained that way. It was just kind of showing what the aggression could do. Whereas in this movie, you get Magneto's point of view, Eric's point of view on this situation and the reason why they need to be together, the reason why they cannot be, why they won't be accepted by society throughout the entire movie. And he really explains it at the end. But, yeah. And to me, that was kind of like, if you're going to say that there's a parable to Israel here, it's kind of Magneto. I mean, is he the bad guy? I, I don't know, but he's supposed to be, but he makes a lot of good points. But he's never presented as the villain. You know, I think we see, oh, he could become a bad guy, but he's totally, totally sympathetic. And that's why I think it uh, works. Yes, he is. But until the end, when because because Xavier keeps telling him, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then he takes the coin. It, it should be such a great moment where he takes the coin that that was the cause of his mother's death and uses it to go through uh, through the head of Shaw. That's that last scene. You didn't feel great about it because they they're already saying that like 
I don't yeah, know but if you, you know did. what the problem here is? The problem here is, is what's the alternative in this situation, right? Xavier is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But Xavier has all the control here. Xavier can let him go. He can let go of Shaw if he, if he wants to let go of Shaw. But he doesn't because he knows at the end of the day, it's better to kill this Nazi murderous, insane person than it is and allow Magneto to, you know, than it is to the alternative, which is to let him. And it's really it's really interesting what they do with Xavier in this movie. He's not this saintly Patrick Stewart Professor X. He's this child of privilege and he isn't shown to be really right all the time. He's just shown to have come to these philosophical underpinnings because he's so comfortable in the world because he's the exact opposite of Magneto. And it's not a sympathetic portrayal of him at all. He comes off as this aloof, rich, spoiled kid. Yeah, Yaakov, do you remember in the movie Magneto actually says to him, like, when he, when he when they pull up to his house for the first time, he's like, oh, you lived a yeah. tough life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Xavier is kind of, he's the hopeful character. He's always the character who has the, he has the hope. And he's, you know, he's the optimist and Magneto is the opposite side of the coin, which is he's kind of, he's seen it. He's the cynical side and he's more of a realist. But Magneto was right because they actually took all the missiles and turned it right on them. Right. So Magneto was right at the end and Xavier was like, oh, shoot, you were right. Like, and I, Mag- I mean, I, and I Magneto be... saves the day. Yeah. And Magneto saves the day. And. He has a right to be angry if they just threw all those missiles at him, you know, to throw him right back. But, you know, Xavier, there, there they stop is, him. There is something to Xavier's character, though, in that he kind of unlocks Magneto, right? So Magneto is brought up by the Nazis to uh, Use harness anger. his power through anger and pain. Right. and But he can't do as much as he wants. But it's Xavier teaches him that, you know, true power comes between rage and serenity, which I think gives us... A really nice scene. Then pony. Then and listen, it's Hanukkah candles. Trope. <laughs> Hanukkah candles are a trope because Hanukkah is an easily recognizable Jewish holiday. They weren't going to have Magneto waving a lulav, although Why maybe not? they should have. They should have. <laughs> the same stock footage. From every other one, but I think that that for me is why this movie works so well with this as a Jew, as Magneto works as a Jewish character. Because what is the strength? He goes back to his family, goes back to those religious roots. It isn't just a cut back to him with his mom. It's him with his mom doing a Jewish thing. I thought that's a great touch. And they could have, by the way, they could have just made him somebody who was a war refugee from anywhere, or they could have made him a Holocaust survivor who wasn't Jewish. You know, the early comic books flirted with him being a Holocaust survivor who came from a gypsy family, and they eventually decided to canonize that he was actually Jewish. But they could have taken a much easier way out, and they decided to go with something that was real. In that scene, when they're in Argentina, I believe that's where it was, and they were in the bar, and he says that, he, they ask him his name, he says, I, I wasn't a name. And he shows them the number on his arm, right? Right. And he said, but bef- right before that, he says that, like, my family was killed by pig farm, like they, because they said, oh, I'm a pig farmer, and they were laughing. He's like, they were my my family was killed by pig farmers, and well, he says you took away my my parents, you took away their name. Oh, right, you took away their name, and yeah, it's it's an amazing that a, scene. That was such a great scene. It's an amazing scene. That is it, so it, great. It's so good. 
The um, they, they could have built it a little. They uh, you know that that would have been like a Quentin Tarantino like building. They could have built the building and building. Yeah, that was really good though. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of times when Magneto kind of sounds like the an Orthodox rabbi. <laughs> like he's very insular. He's like society should be striving to be us. <laughs> I feel like that's what our rabbi talks about <laughs> all day long. I I had something to point out in that first scene with um with Magneto and he's being separated by by uh from his parents. So it's just a scene where it's like, you know, he's yelling mama and she's yelling back for him. And then there's the dad. Did you notice that he's not doing anything? He's like, "Yeah, tick tick. All right." <laughs> I noticed this. <laughs> this is the two of them and he's not yelling anything. Are you sure it was his dad? Yes. Yeah, just well, something I, mean, I pointed out. There's a lot of confusion, and I think probably a lot of resignation. So that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough scene. The beginning is very tough. The beginning of this movie oh, yeah. is a lot darker than any other superhero movie. You know, you don't have just you don't just have Thor making wisecracks. <laughs> I feel like the lesson of this movie is, or at least the way I see it, is there were people who after the Holocaust, stood up and did say never again. And similar to the way Magneto says here, his his distrust of humanity, his distrust of the CIA, which is because he knows, you know, they're they're flawed. They can't accept anything that's different. And, you know, he makes it clear at the end, he's been at the mercy. When all the ships are are shooting the rockets and Magneto stops the rockets and points them back at at the ships, Xavier says... They're just following orders. And Magneto says, I've been at the mercy of men just following orders. Never mm-hmm. again. I mean, that I think is a really, you know, it, it. the point is not the Holocaust is untouchable. The point is the problems that have that happened in the Holocaust could happen again, can happen in other societies. And there are people who are not going to put up with it again. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just, I thought from just from the beginning, this was, you know, it's an origin story of a lot of different X-Men, but the one who is really the focal point of this movie, at least to me watching it, is Magneto. Maybe it's because I was watching it in the in the Juvie's lens, but it's definitely Magneto. No, it's it's Magneto's series. movie, 100%. I mean, the sequel, Days of Future Past, is really Professor X's movie. That one focuses on him, but this is a Magneto movie. And, you know, if you look into some of the production history of this they were thinking of doing just a straight up magneto origin story and then they combined it with this one so it makes sense and i I think it's really good i mean he's it's a really good use of judaism in the movie to build a character is he is he rapping to fill in no he's not he's not wearing to fill in you don't have a lot of those jewish moments but you do have at least one which i think is important yeah as what, opposed to like Zohan, where what, there's literally none. What about that? There's red literally character, none in Zohan. The red character with the tail. What was his name again? Az- was his name Azazel? Azazel? Yeah. So this is my other. So is he Azazel Jewish? Jewish? Yeah. Is, is he the? Is he no, like the he's, Russian? He's just a comic book <laughs> character. They just grab. They, there are so many X Men over the year that they just grab whoever they thought looked cool and they could just throw in there for whatever action sequence needed. There aren't a lot of Jewish tropes in this movie, but I did find one troubling trope is the fact that 
the the way the two black characters are portrayed in this movie is very problematic. Um, <laughs> One yeah. for Darwin to just basically die immediately. immediately. <laughs> they also mentioned they're like slavery. you know what we don't have enough of white X Men in this movie. They also mentioned slavery and yeah, that was the one really weak. Did you weak get that? Shot. The only real weak shot in the whole movie is when Kevin Bacon talks about slavery and they cut to Darwin's reaction. It was just okay. <laughs> We get I know it. so bad. I really like Banshee though. The Banshee's second time awesome. around, I don't know if I just like the actor. Banshee's awesome, and it, you know it's kind of funny that they took what was essentially an Irish joke. The comic book character of Banshee is just super, super stereotypically Irish, and they made it into something really fun and energetic and cool. Yeah, that actor actor did a great job compared to like good. Havoc, who's just so boring. Right, Banshee was cool. Uh, Darwin, <laughs> poor Darwin, poor Darwin. <laughs> and his 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 actual superhero power isn't very cool either. He's like, look at me. He stuck his head in the in the <laughs> fishbowl. He's like, I can breathe. Well, he adapts to survive, except for when he can't. <laughs> except and then he for dies. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he's the brave one, but still. I, I no, yeah. I, I was, I was like, just just kill havoc. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why could why couldn't he survive? Wouldn't that be the point? Adapt to survive and like actually show him survive like crazy things, except immediately he dies. So so, uh, do we have any sequels, prequels, or spin-offs? well, y- you got to mention that Prequel, there sequel, is spin-offs. there are a few sequels already to this movie, you know, and X Men Days of Future Past, which is the one that comes immediately after this is it's if it's not the best comic book sequel ever made it's way way up there it's so so good it's even better than this one i think i think people would say that the dark knight yeah the dark knight is amazing and spider-man 2 is also remarkable but i i recently re-watched um days of future past and everything that it accomplishes in terms of getting the continuity back in order and amazing action sequences. Getting and just rid of m- movie X-Men number three. three. <laughs> it killed X-Men yeah, 3. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible accomplishment. That said, there is, you know, there's a lost opportunity that they didn't call it X-Men Economy Plus, which is where I thought the franchise was going. <laughs> okay, okay. What is your what is your prequel, sequel, or spinoff for this? Um, okay, so my mine is a sequel, or maybe it's a prequel. It could be either. It's called X Men Gamara Class. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining a bunch of X Men in their seats, like <clears throat> like doing their their powers, trying to with like a Rebbe in the front. I don't know. It, it makes sense in my head. Okay. And I was thinking that we would have a mashup between Inglorious Bastards and this movie, um, and uh, they would all go killing Nazis together. That, that was what's, my... What's it called? It's called... Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> X-Men No Class. <laughs> X-Men No Class. All right. Okay. So, rating scale. What do we got? Man, I don't know. On a Wait. scale from one to ten Darwins. Wait. 
scale from one scale to ten from, exploding Darwin. <laughs> a scale from one to three minutes that Darwin is alive. <laughs> All right. If we're doing how many minutes? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so on a scale from one to five, five minutes being the most amount of time that Darwin is alive in this movie. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give this a full five. I'm gonna, This movie is so good. I don't know. I really, I enjoyed every minute of this movie. Um, so five. Even as a, but as a juvie, did you love it? Because remember, this I is a juvie scale. Yeah, I don't think that this is so much of a juvie, to be honest. I think that this one is reaching to be a juvie. I think there's some well, wait, big wait, moments. Juvie is a movie that prominently portrays Jewish people or Judaism. So this has a Jewish character. It has a Jewish It has one. Right, and it has people. Yeah. Plus we count as Zazel. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this ain't Yentl, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I still, as a movie, I highly recommend this movie. I love it. I give it five. I give it five minutes of Darwin's life. The whole thing. If they were, they shouldn't shorten Darwin's life at all for this movie. It's great. Uh, you know, we talked about a couple of the things that we didn't like, but not not from a Jewish perspective. I thought it really. We do have a Jewish superhero. It happens to be Magneto. He happens to be awesome. Michael Fassbender's awesome as a Jewish person. Maybe not the most Jewish looking person I've ever seen. Like maybe they should have done Roy Schneider. <laughs> Not right, Rob Schneider. I don't know. Do you, <laughs> Roy do Schneider would be interesting. Too. I, I just when I see Michael Fassbender, though, I, I always think that some somehow this is connected to Prometheus. Right. <laughs> I, I just some. Well, you know, he is the other connection to Inglorious Bastards. He was in it. He was in it. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was the uh, the he British Hickok Hickox who Hickox? messed up by putting up three fingers. I always get him confused with Benedict Cumberpatch, which really is not fair. Cumberbatch. Yeah, whatever his name is, which is yeah. really not fair to Sherlock to Michael Fassbender because Michael Fassbender is much better. No, I think it's pretty fair to both of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'd give this totally five five minutes of Darwin, the full five. It's a great movie, and it shows that. A juvie that has big Jewish ideas and big Jewish questions doesn't have to be a crappy little small intimate drama. It can be a big, fun, exciting action movie as well. Yeah. Maybe we should have a sequel where Darwin comes back to life and then it's immediately killed again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I noticed in Days of Future Past they didn't bring back Darwin at the end. (laughs) Well, have you seen Deadpool 2? You know, it would be like Groot. No, I haven't he would, seen it. He would be like Groot, where like uh, he's like tiny, and then he grows <laughs> big, and then gets run over by a truck immediately. No, I did not see Deadpool 2. Which was great. Do they have a Darwin joke in there? No. No Darwin. Darwin never shows up ever again. Yeah. But Deadpool, Deadpool has some... Oh, that's a good movie. Did you guys watch number two? Yeah, I saw Deadpool too. It's fu- it's very good. It's just like the first. It's funny stuff. That that jumping out of the plane scene is really really funny. The whole thing is funny. Maybe I'll maybe Tommy and I'll go see it this weekend. Okay, well, uh, it's been fun. Thanks all for listening. We're back at it again. Hopefully next week. We'll see. Until then, I'm David. I'm David. I'm Yaakov. Thanks for listening to the Juvies. <laughs>